perhaps you have said recently, if you've seen some friends, children, or grandchildren, my, how you have grown. Had our first family reunion this past summer, and I've not seen some of my grandchildren for a year, at some for two years. And that was one of the first words I found coming out of my mouth. My, how you have grown. Now, they appreciated that. Some of us don't appreciate it anymore. <laughs> but, you know, growing is a natural part of life. For the Christian, it is a supernatural part of life. We don't realize when we grow. But first, Second Peter reminds us to grow in grace. I'm going to be talking about sanctifying grace this morning. Separating those things in our lives that we know that please God. Sanctification is one of those things that we can kind of get lost in. Listen to how the catechism says, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the work of God's free grace, whereby we are renewed in the whole man after the image of God and enabled more and more to die into sin and live unto righteousness. That should be a normal pattern for the Christian, growing in grace. And Lord willing, the latter part of this verse says, grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll look at what it means to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ for his honor and for his glory. But this morning, Peter sets before us a world that is in turmoil. And what kind of world do we live in? Not only with the coming election, but in terms of societal changes. I've heard said recently that if we change in the next 25 years as much as we have in the past 25 years, none of us will recognize the world. How about the church? Sadly, George Gallup, known for his polls, made a poll in the church and outside the church some a few years ago. And he concluded that the actions of those who are in the church are not much different than those outside of the church. He said, those in the church use the scriptures to comfort themselves, especially in times of depression. But it has little effect on their daily living. What an indictment to the church. How much have you grown in grace in recent time? And before I'm finished, you're going to say that he's not just preaching, he's meddling. And I can do that as a visiting pastor. I like to tell visiting pastors, I'll go in and just stir up the congregation and let you bring comfort to it. Growing should be a natural part of our lives. It is physically. Do you realize that you grow new, a complete new outer layer of skin every 27 days? Now, I can't 
distinguish that. In fact, I wish I could. In fact, your stomach lining is renewed and grown anew every four days. Because the acid is so, such that has to digest the food is so strong, it eats away the lining of the stomach. And every four days, you have a new lining. 300 million of your body cells will die in the next minute. Miraculously, God has created your body such that 300 million new cells come into being at that particular time. Your red blood cell, bled, your red blood cells are replaced every two weeks. See, your body is constantly growing new. But how about our spirit? How about that which God's free grace working in our lives, bringing about change and how we think, how we act, how we serve God, how we live our daily lives. If George Gallup is correct, it is no wonder that the world is in the situation that it is. When we who love the church act no differently than those who hate the church. Grace enables us to grow. Most of us as Christians have been in the church for any length of time. Always associate grace with one particular area. And that is then salvation. And I would not minimize that. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. And it is such. But there are other ways that we use the word grace. When you say a blessing at the table... Thankful for the food. It is sometimes called saying grace. To be thankful. Psalm 92 reminded us that even in our old age, the joy of the Lord should be our strength. And still bear fruit. We say that a person is graceful. Means they have a charm in the way that they carry themselves. And music... There's a notation called grace notes, which just embellish that note, not changing the main pattern, but making it more alive. And sometimes grace in our lives becomes a deadening effect because we do not allow it to live and breathe and grow. The King James Version of the Bible says that Noah found grace. In the eyes of God. Our modern translation says favor. So God has favored you this morning. God's grace has come to you. And if you believe in him. A salvation grace. But it's also a sanctifying grace. Grace is not natural. You look at the world around us. And you don't see any grace at all. You see death. The grass growing and dying. You see the trees turning, beautifully colored, but in just a week or two, a little longer, they will be dead and fallen off the tree. You don't see grace naturally. It is only in Jesus Christ. And Apostle John said that he was full of grace and truth. And that's what we'll look at, grace this morning and truth next week, Lord willing. 
God wants to fill us anew with grace so that we go out reflecting who He is and not my own natural talents or abilities or instincts, but who God is. Grace. That's not only defined, but delivered to us in Jesus Christ. Have you experienced that grace? Knowing that you've been justified from your sins and being justified by grace, then we go out to serve God. Not to work, not to raise our families, though that be important. We go out to glorify God. And what a task, what a challenge, what an opportunity, what a responsibility, what a joy. You go out to represent the king this week. Whether it's raising your family or the daily grind of work. Or being a neighbor to someone in need. Oh, grace needs to be demonstrated in every portion of our life. John Calvin said that we are justified by faith alone. But faith alone is not being justified completely. We need to express the grace of God. But this is where I begin to meddle. How do you demonstrate that grace? Do you find it in the way you look at life? Listen to how God expresses that. When he reminds us in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the knowledge we'll look at next week. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. That's an attitude of life. All of us have things that happen to us that we don't like. We can complain. And if you read the Old Testament carefully, you'll find how often the Israelites complained. They complained when God fed them in the wilderness. They complained when life was difficult and hard and they were under oppression. It is so easy to complain. But God says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with grace in your heart. What do we have to sing about? You know, as I read the philosophies of religions, Christianity is the only one that sings its beliefs. Others chant. And others moan and sigh and belabor life. But when God has put his grace in your life, can you say this is the day the Lord has made? Whatever that may be, the death of a loved one, can I say with profound confidence, this is the day the Lord has made. He is sovereign. And I will what? Rejoice and be glad. You see, it is an act of our will. Prompted by that Holy Spirit of 
God's grace in our lives. That we are thankful for his grace upon our lives. Oh, do we have any reason to complain this morning? Oh, we have many problems. But I look at it in the light of God's word. That he is not only sovereign, but he leads us in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. Through the valley of the shadow of death. And I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, he has a future for us. Imagine for just a moment, if you in Job's place... Now, we read about the patience of Job. He lost his business, his economic life. He lost his children. He lost his health. He lost the dependence of his friends. He lost the encouragement of his wife. But he did not sin against God. Oh, some of us, some of you may have been walking through those valleys. I declare to you today that the blessings of God and his grace that flows into your life should cause you to sing this morning of the glory of Christ. If I sing about the goriness of my life, I have nothing to sing about but dirges. But if I sing about the glory of Christ, the glory that he has put forth in your life, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did he endure the cross? For the joy that was set before And you are part of that joy. And so this morning, look at what God is doing. Set your mind on things above where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Oh, it's so easy to look downward and see the issues of life all around us. Be a little discouraged, defeated, distressed, yea, even depressed. But when God's grace comes into our lives and the fullness of his free gift... What a joy it is. Not just in salvation, but in sanctification. That God has enabled me to live life with hope. By the way, most of us think of the word hope as wishing or desiring. I hope for this. I hope for that. Not so in the scriptures. When it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. The word hope means confidence. And assurance. It is the strongest word for guarantee that we have in the scriptures. Christ in you, the guarantee of glory. That life has far more meaning than what we are toiling with day upon day. And we go out of this place sometimes. Seeing that glory. And it's so much easier to glorify God when we're with one another. But out in the world is a different place. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, singing in your hearts with spiritual songs and hymns and songs through the grace that God gives to you. And not only 
and our attitude in life, but it's also how we speak. Listen to how Paul says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Seasoned with grace. Oh, how often our speech comes out without us even thinking. We call it proverbially putting our foot in our mouth. And sometimes that comes out in the wrong way. The truth of the matter might be there, but how do I speak to my spouse? How do I discipline my children? How do I deal with that co-worker that is not pulling its fair share of the burden? Let your speech always be with grace. The jokes that we tell, how we say words, our speech is to always fulfill the promises of God. Listen to what Paul says in Ephesians. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. You say you have a a part in God's grace and sharing it with others and how you talk. You don't always have to talk about spiritual things, but how you talk about the election, how you talk about the person that you are not supporting. And boy, we could get into a big conversation about those two, couldn't we? But let your speech be seasoned with grace. And then even how you serve the Lord. Many of you are involved in various activities of the church. Do you do it out of a sense of gratitude and what an opportunity to serve the Lord? Or does it become somewhat of a drudgery? Does it become a duty? Do your children hear you complaining about the church? Oh, I know The church is not perfect. I've known people to leave the church because everyone was not perfect like they were. But how do we serve the Lord? Listen to this Peter again. In his first letter, he says, As each one has received a gift, each one has received a gift, minister minister it to one another. As good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You know, God has given you a gift. And we could talk about those gifts. You could even have many sermons on the gifts. The manifold grace of God comes to us, enhancing and embellishing with grace notes. I already talents. I'm a talent to sing. A talent to cook. A talent to sew. A talent to type. We don't call it typing any longer. Keyboarding. Do you use that for the glory of God? Oh, I know there's work to be done. 
would not minimize that or diminish it in any way. But serving God in the daily activities of life, work, and home. Do you do it with the grace of God? Oh, it's so easy to fall into the rut of complaining. Teenagers can do that just by getting out of bed. They can hardly wait to get out on their own. But what kind of life are they going to live? The life that they see in their parents. The life they see in the people in the church around them. How do we speak to one another? How do we serve one another? With a humility? You know what humble really means? We many times think of it as being walked upon. But humble means just recognizing your place before God. I asked a group of ladies in the Bible study just recently, was Jesus humble when he went into the temple and drove out the money changers with whips? And to a lady they said no. Well, if he was the epitome of humbleness, how could he act outside of being humble? He knew his place before God, and he was defending God's glory. There is a time for us to defend God's glory. But we do it depending upon God's grace. Recognize your place before God. A sinner saved by grace. A child of God. Standing in the presence of the Savior. Sometimes my place is as a father to my children. To discipline always love and to discipline in love to help them face the woes of life sometimes my position is that of a husband to be tender and loving and supportive now I can't mix those two together and sometimes it's as a son that I honor my mother and my father sometimes it's as a neighbor And who is my neighbor? Sometimes it's forgiving someone that has hurt me. And I forgive as Christ has forgiven me. Is there someone in your life that you have difficulty forgiving? I remember a lady in New Hampshire I was serving there. I preached on forgiving one another. Her name was Bertha, and I don't remember her last name. But Bertha came to me at the door and says, my sister and I have not spoken to each other in 10 years. I said, where did your sister live? She said, about a mile away. I said, what was the problem? She said, I don't remember. And I want to forgive her. And I th- she said, I think I have forgiven her. I said, well, you need to tell her that. She said, I can't do that alone. I said, all right. We'll go this afternoon. We went to Bertha's sister's house. And the sister couldn't remember what the problem was either. And they forgave each other. Oh, that takes grace from God. There's something as common grace and 
I like to call it covenantal grace, although that can be misunderstood sometimes. Common grace or special grace. We'll look at that a little further in Sunday school this morning. But how do you serve others with the gift that you have been given? How about the gift of giving? Sometimes we give reluctantly. We give out of pity. We give out of duty. But do I give with a sense of grace? Listen to how Paul expresses this. He writes to the Corinthians. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive this gift and the fellowship of ministering to the saints. And not only we had hoped But they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete this grace in him as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge, and all diligent and in your love for us, see that you also abound in this grace. Oh, the grace of being able to share our blessings with others. Do we give as we give ourselves and then give to share the grace of God with others? Sometimes it's difficult to picture our missionaries. I had dinner with a pair of missionaries just this week. And they were showing some of the I would call them hubbles that their parishioners lived in. And oh, I wish I could have just shared my home with them. Oh, I can. Not in a physical way, but in how I give to God's work. We don't usually think of giving as a grace, but it is a grace that God has given to you freely and that we freely give to God's people around the world. What a joy it is to support missionaries. And sometimes you can tell the life of a congregation by how well it treats its missionaries. I remember once a missionary had come home unexpectedly because of the death of her mother. She was in church that Sunday night. Met her in the parking lot and we were walking to the front door of the church. The lady in the church comes running up and says, are you? And said her name. And she said, yes. She said, I feel like that I know you. I've prayed for you for so long. What an encouragement for that missionary. What an encouragement for a pastor's heart. You know, you're praying for one another. I learned a big lesson years ago. When I asked one of the elders in our church, I was not a minister at that particular time, I asked him to pray about a particular issue that I was facing that week. And he says, I'll be pleased to do that. And he took out a little pad of paper and wrote it down. He says, I intend to pray, but I forget. This will help me to remember to pray for you on Thursday. Oh, and I have carried three-by-five cards with me ever since. 
to write down little things like that. I intend, but I can't depend on my mind, my heart. Can your missionaries depend on you? Can your church depend on you? And then lastly, just how you live your daily life. The charm that comes through. You see, all of those definitions of grace, being thankful, experiencing God's free gift, favorites of God, embellishing our lives with blessings, grace that comes to us. All of those have meaning. And listen how Paul says, And Jesus said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul goes on, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. That's his great grace that God wants to give you to face whatever task you're facing today. Financial. Emotional. Relationship-wise. Forgiving someone else. Going to the doctor and afraid of what he's going to say. Moving to a nursing home. Oh, God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Paul was given a thorn in the flesh, and that's the passage around that. And Paul wanted it to be removed. And he prayed that it would be removed, and it was not removed. And sometimes we pray that our burdens and our problems be taken away. And sad to us, we think, they're not taken away. God wants to manifest his grace with patience, with perseverance, with joy and delight. He says, my grace is sufficient. Not just to save you, but to sanctify you and make your life meaningful, make your life different, make your life have a purpose. And bringing glory to God. Have you ever wondered why God still has you on this earth? Perhaps not. We are busy doing other things. But if you visit many people in the hospital or in the nursing home, one of the most common responses is, I just want to go to be with Jesus, and I don't know why he leaves me here. And I don't know all the answers. But I do know that God has a purpose for your life. And one of those great purposes is to allow his grace to flow through your life and to the lives of every person you meet this week, even the person you disagree with, even the person who cuts you off in the driving lane of the cars, with the cars, even with a spouse that, yes, might be stubborn, opinionated, even with a teenager that is rebellious even with a complaining neighbor you have any friends that called you on the telephone and all they do is complain and you look at the call identifying number and you don't even want to answer the telephone oh pastors do that also (laughs) and it's the grace of God God listens to us and sometimes it's just to listen
to pray, to love. God has a magnificent joy to pour into your life this week. Grow in grace. And that grace you will find not only changes your life, but God uses it to change the lives of others. Let us pray. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, help us to grow in grace this week. Let us not take it for granted that we have experienced salvation through your free gift of grace. Let us go forth allowing your grace to flow through us as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.